This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, praise God. Um, we started on last Sunday night. We had a sermon that I called Promises, Promises. And this morning I feel led to do kind of a part two to that. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit and explain some of it. But promises are a powerful thing and, and 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 there's so many people i know that you know you ask them how you doing well I'm, I'm standing on the promises and and you know i've got the promises of god and 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 it's almost just like something we say but a lot of times it feels like we don't really grasp the magnitude of what it is to have a promise from god and and what i'm talking about in that a little bit is uh you know, we, we throw the word promise around very loosely in our in our world, in our society. I promise I'll get to it. And I'll promise, you know, this and that. And, and I, even, I even use this example Sunday night of, you know, even my little son, Sam, he's a three. And, and, and he throws the word promise around all the time. I promise I won't. I'm like. You don't, don't make promises, son. You don't know what you're doing. And, and, and so, you know, the, what example is this is that some, somehow this little, this little kid always gets gum from people at church. It's you guys. You always give them gum. You know who you are. And so, and, and so I'm like, oh, Maxine, I wasn't, it was you or, okay. All right. Well, hey, uh, but, but he's, I'm like, you can't have gum because you swallow it. I promise I won't swallow it this time. And then someone gives him gum. Next thing you know, he's in the corner. Did you swallow your gum? And he just runs off. And I'm like, you promised because he doesn't really know what a promise is. And, 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 you know, that's kind of a silly example, but there's so many of us that we don't really know what a promise is because maybe we've had people promise things to us. Maybe. We've made promises and we don't even believe in our own word anymore. Maybe uh, we've had parents that made promises to us and didn't keep them. And so the word has been weakened and tampered with and watered down a lot in our lives to the point where we just say, I'm standing on the promises of God or whatever the case is. But we don't realize how powerful that really is. And I'm telling you today that you need to know the promises of God. You need to get a hold of them. And well, how many are there? There's thousands. There's thousands. I, you know, I was looking up stuff the other day and there, and this website said, here's the 12 promises of God. I'm like, 12? I found about 4,000 myself over the last 30 years. So there's so many promises that God's word makes to us. And we as Christians have to realize that this is a real thing. And, and I, I put this on your hand out there. If you need a, an outline for the sermon, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Um, but I was looking this up in the dictionary just to get a, even an English translation and, and, and meaning of what the word promise is. And we realized the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and in Hebrew. But, but right here, even in the Webster's 1828, the original English dictionary for America. And, and, and I love this. It says, what is a promise? A declaration which gives to the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. Man, I, I, that obviously flew over some heads, so I'm going to just do you a real solid and say that again because some of you, that just went away. Listen, what is a promise? It is a declaration which gives to the person to whom it is made. Did God make you a promise? 
Okay, all right. Maybe you don't know what that promise is. We're going to help you with it. But 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 listen, it gives you a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. You have every right in the world, every right in God's word to expect and claim what God has promised to you. And and you know one thing that that came to me is this A promise is only as good as the word of the one making it. Maybe you make promises and your word's no good, so no one believes you. Maybe people make promises to you and they've proven again and again, well, he says it, but he doesn't mean it. His word's no good. But I can tell you this right now, God's word is good. Who believes that this morning? That God's word is good. Well, what's his word? His word's right here. And I can tell you, I've dedicated an entire lifetime to this word right here. And I have come to the conclusion that his word is good. Psalm 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And I can tell you today that God is good for what he promised. And he, and if you will believe it, if you'll have the guts and the and, and, and the fortitude to believe his word, he's got the power to back it up and make it happen in your life. The book of Isaiah says that his word never returns unto him void. It always accomplishes everything that he sends it forth to do. If there's a problem, it's not on God's end, and it's not a problem with his word. There's no power failures in heaven. The power's there. We've got to believe. And again, we gave this example last Sunday night that so many people... They put so much pressure on themselves to, man, I, I, I've got to be strong, be strong, got to be strong. And, and the problem is, is you're trying to be strong with everything that you've got, and you were never told to do that. You were told to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and I'm trying to believe, and I'm trying this, and I'm trying that, and I'm trying to hold on to the promises. Well, Brother Hagen gave this example, and and, and I, that's the best thing that I can think of. He told this story about how way back in World War II, uh, he was reading this article about, uh, and you know, I, I may not tell all the details exactly right, but but the idea is this: is that there was a bunch of sailors down in San Diego, and and the, they were. Ex- the, the military had been experimenting with these air balloons and these blimps and stuff about how, you know, using those to drop bombs and whatnot. And so a bunch of guys had been holding on to these ropes to ground it to the ground. And, and all of a sudden something broke loose and and the thing went flying through the air. And so all these sailors, a bunch of them went flying everywhere. Several died. A bunch of guys were holding on for dear life to this rope and just trying, don't let go, don't let go. And and and. One by one, after a while, guys were hitting the ground. Just a bad scene. And women and children were watching and, and horror, waiting for what's going to happen next. But there was this one guy. He held on. And, and, and people are watching him dangle in the air. And they're like, when's he going to fall? And one hour turns into two hours. And eventually, the rescue workers get to him and bring him down to the ground. And he's like, you know, dust himself off. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And everyone's like, how did you do that? How did you hold on for that long? He's like, wait, what are you talking about? They're like, how did you not let go of the rope? He says, oh, wait, no. As soon as I saw what was happening, I tied that rope around me, and I was just saying that I was just floating through the air, kind of enjoying the view for a while. But listen, 
I wasn't holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to me. And I'm telling you today that I'm not sitting here trying to hold on to the promises. I have wrapped myself in the promises of God. They're holding on to me today. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a struggle. It's not a, oh, the burden, brother, the burden. The promises are holding on to me. If you'll wrap yourself in them, you won't grow weary in well-doing. You will reap in due season, and you're not going to faint. But don't sit there, I'm trying to be strong, I'm trying. No, I'm strong, but it's in the Lord and the power of His might, because there is a limit to my strength. There's a limit to your strength physically, mentally, emotionally. You've got limits, and you will hit them eventually, but there is no limit to God's strength. Amen? And so we're going to talk about the promises of God for a few minutes today. And really a verse I want to, I want, our main verse is this. This is what it's all based off of. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's flip over there. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. Who's glad they came to church today? You picked a good day. 2 Thessalonians 3. And verse 3, and I love verses like this that just, man, point by point, it's all right there wrapped up in one verse. But this is a promise from God to you. This is a promise. You're sitting there, well, I, don't, I, I want to know what the promises are. Here, here's one right here. Here's three right here. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Now, I don't know about you. I, I read that, and it's about all I can do to keep from just absolutely shouting and thanking the Lord for that promise right there. Because no matter how difficult life is, no matter how unfaithful people have been to me, it doesn't matter. The Lord is faithful. Well, I don't, I don't, I just feel so weak. He will strengthen you. I feel like I'm being attacked. He will Guard you from the evil one. And so, man, thank you. I want to, I want to break this down today and take a look here, but this could change your life if you'll wrap yourself in these promises today. So number one, I want to say this. Number one, the Lord is faithful. Is there somebody in here today that could say amen to that? That the Lord's been faithful even when I wasn't faithful? He was still faithful because he doesn't base his faithfulness to me upon my faithfulness to him. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy. He said, even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And thank you, Jesus, that you don't base your goodness to me upon my goodness to you because sometimes I haven't been real good to Jesus, but he's still been good to me and he's still given me what I don't deserve. What is that? That's called the grace of God. When I don't get what I, when I get what I don't deserve. And then there's another beautiful word called mercy. Amen. And mercy is when God held something back that I did deserve. I deserved some punishment. I deserved something to come into my life, but God blocked it. God held back because of his great mercy. Why? The Lord is faithful. No matter what we're going through, we have to realize that we are not in it alone. And one of the primary tools, one of the primary strategies of Satan 
is this word called isolation. He always wants you to feel like you're alone. Has anybody in here experienced that where where you just finally get to this place like, man, they, they don't they say they understand. They don't understand. They don't even know. Nobody's going through this. And 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 and, and he and, and with isolation comes shame and guilt and and condemnation and judgment and, and all these things coming on to you. And and no, no, nobody knows. No, nobody gets it. And you eventually start pushing yourself away from the people that God's called into your life to help you. You start pushing yourself away from God himself, the faithful one. And so I wanted you to see this verse here in first. Corinthians 10:13, 1 Corinthians 10:13. We're talking right now that God is faithful, the Lord is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. And this is a promise from God. And his word is good. It's as good as it's better than gold. I was going to say it's as good as gold. It's better than that. You you can count on it. He delivers. He does what he says he's going to do. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, this is in the New King James, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Then say, No temptation has overtaken you except for the ones that are unique to you because you're a freak and there's nobody else like you. You're dirty and you're bad. No, it says, It's common to man. What, what, what's this say? But God is what? But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now, as I read this verse, one thing that I immediately wanted to study, I mean, years ago when I caught this verse, is could that word temptation, I mean, I want the full meaning of that. This word in the Greek also means troubles and trials. And so as I'm reading this, I can substitute very easily with, and, and be totally accurate and say, no trouble has come to me or overtaken me except such as is common to man. No trial, no difficulty, no temptation, no storm, no anything that's going to come against me except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow me to be troubled beyond what I'm able. He will not let the trial be so much that it's something that I'm not able to handle, but with the temptation, the trial, the trouble will also make the way of escape. No matter what it is we're going through right now, God is faithful and he has a way out of this situation. There's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train. You've got a chance at this if you don't give up. And so God is faithful. Now, at these first two verses we've looked at, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 and 1 Corinthians 10.13, I see this phrase both times. It, it, it presents, you know, something, and then it says, but God is faithful. Now, I've said this before, and you've probably heard other preachers say it. We see this phrase in Scripture, but God, many, many times. And then I hear people in my life say those two words over and over again, but depending on who the person is, they're saying it in a different way. Trouble comes to one person, but God. It's not fair. But God. Why? But God. 
I don't do, but, but God, why, but God, you said, and, and they're saying, but God, and they're, they're saying it feeling sorry for themselves. You present the exact same trouble to person number two, the exact same situation, and they say, oh man, here comes trouble, no doubt about it, but God is faithful. And I'm asking you today, how are you saying, but God? But God, it ain't fair. Are you saying, I don't care if it's fair or not, but God is faithful. He will not allow the trouble. He will not allow the temptation. He will not allow this trial to get the best of me because he is faithful. He will guard me from the evil one, but God is on my side. How is it that we're saying, but God? Nahum 1.7, one of my favorite Bible verses, Nahum 1.7. Now this, you, you can find this, this is one of the, this is just a little fun fact for you. This is one of the verses that's on the bottom of the In-N-Out, uh, cups at the restaurant, right? That's not where I got this verse. I knew it before I ever ate it In-N-Out. But at the same time, this, and I was, you know, I see this on the bottom of the cup and I'm like, man, what a dynamite verse for you to, you know, while you're pounding down a animal style fry or what. I mean, come on, that's good stuff right there. So Nahum 1-7, you need to catch this. And you're, if you're having trouble finding Nahum, it's on page 943, so just flip right to it if you could. Nahum, Nahum 1, 7, and it says this. Oh, man, I love this verse. It says, the Lord is good. I could just stop right there, and I'd be fine for the rest of the day, because that's all I need to know. The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. The Lord is good. I mean, when trouble comes my way, this verse pops right out of my mouth. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. And guess what? I am one of those who trust him. He knows me. He knows I trust him. He is my stronghold, and he is good. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is one of the most beautiful things that I know of in this world. A stronghold is a fortress built around you. David wrote about it over and over again in the book of Psalms. And I'll just I'll just go through Psalms, and any time I see fortress, refuge, man, I highlight that. I love to know that God is a refuge. A fortress, the help I need in the day of trouble. He surrounds me on every side. It'd be okay if I had some bodyguard with me, you know, one guy to, to, you know, to help me everywhere I go. But what's even better than that is the Lord is a stronghold. He's a fortress. He built a wall on all four sides of me. You can't come at me from the right and get me. You can't come at me from the left and get me. You can try to take me head on or from behind. It doesn't matter. God surrounds me on every single side. Isaiah 26 says we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation and some people think that, well, that's inspirational. That feels good. I, oh, that just makes me, I, I, that's not inspiration to me. That's solid truth from God's word. And I believe that with all my heart, that the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows very well those who trust in him. So what are we looking at today? The promises of God. 
And I can tell you this much. The Lord is faithful. There's, I cannot look back at one second of my life, not one, and say, God, you failed me. You left me on my own on that one. Where, where were you? There's times I could look back and I could say, you know what? I'll admit it. I failed you. I walked away from you, Lord. I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't keep my word to you, but there's not one time that God has not kept his word to me. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And he's kept his word to me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he has been true to his word. Amen. And I want to make that promise to him and say, Jesus, you know what? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, Jesus, until the end of the world. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm with you until the end. And listen, Jesus gave us that promise. These are the promises of God. So number one, you need to know. You need to get in your heart. The Lord is faithful. Number two, he will strengthen you. Has there ever been a time where you needed strength that you did not possess on your own? There's been many times in my life where I've needed the strength, but it wasn't something that I had within myself of me. And, you know, when I read this, this part of the verse, you know, I imagine, uh, you know, I, I imagine... Man, you're on the, the 15th round. Anybody watch the Rocky movies? Come on. Yeah, that's good stuff. Amen. I knew you did. Now, we all know Rocky Four is the best. That's not even up for debate. But still, good stuff. That's undebatable. But but here, every single movie, though, no matter how good Rocky is, he goes to, like, the final round getting his brains bashed in, right? I mean, no matter. He is always just taking a beating, and he loses, like, the first 14 rounds, but then he comes from behind in the end and wins. And, you know, there's this, there's this, uh, this commercial a few years ago for Lipton iced tea and they've got Rocky getting his brains beat in and all of a sudden uh, they, his manager Mick comes out and, and gives him this iced tea and pours it down his throat and they, all of a sudden he's got strength. Well, it's kind of silly, but sometimes we feel like we are in deep into the fight, deep into the battle, and we're like, I need a little something extra. I need an extra boost. Listen, he will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. He is faithful. We have to be able to look to him. The Lord is faithful. I want you to see here in Luke chapter 22, Luke 22, because believe it or not, Jesus himself had battles to fight, right? And on this earth, Jesus, so many times, man, people think that uh, he, he was down here. He had it on easy street, man. No troubles, no issues. If you think you've got troubles, People came at Jesus hard, man, all the time. He said stuff that made people angry. He said stuff that just straight up rubbed people the wrong way. And so if you're thinking, well, I wish Jesus could relate to me. No, Jesus can relate to you. In fact, the book of Hebrews says we have a high priest talking about Jesus who can totally relate to all the things we go through. For he was in the same way tempted, troubled, trialed as we are Yet without sin. Jesus knows what you've been through. Jesus has already been through it himself because he came to earth to live as a human being. Can you imagine that? Leaving heaven, the streets of gold, leaving the river of life, leaving the, leaving all that behind to come down here 
and live amongst all of us? Because he had to be one of us so he could die, so he could save us from ourselves and from our sin. But Jesus, when he was on this earth, Jesus had issues to deal with too. And here we are in the most troublesome moment of Jesus' life on earth. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's here and he knows full well what's getting ready to happen. He's not blind to it. He knows very well what an ex, what a, what a crucifixion is. People saw this all the time in Rome. They loved to crucify people. They do it in broad daylight right down the middle of the road. They loved for people to see it. So that's one reason Jesus knew what was coming. But another reason was because the Spirit of God, of course, told him. So here we are in Jesus' hour of need, Luke 22. In verse 43, Jesus is praying, if you read in the previous couple of verses, says, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup of suffering away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he's praying. And verse 43 says, then an angel from heaven appeared and did what to Jesus? An angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Can I mean, I can't even imagine observing this scene that here is the son of god jesus christ and you read the some of the other verses he begins shaking and his body is so full of anxiety and stress that his sweat falls to the ground like great drops of blood jesus knew what was coming and he begins sweating blood right out of his pores i mean and this is i've, I've looked this up this this is a medical possibility called hematoidrosis where the human body can reach a level of such anxiety that you just begin to sweat blood out of your pores and jesus reached that level but here's the thing he he looks to the father he prays to heaven god sends an angel and strengthens him i see him getting up rolling up his sleeves and saying let's go do this i'm going to go do this i'm going to follow through jesus could have backed out of the cross Somebody, yeah, listen, Jesus could have backed out. In fact, he said, people, you know, well, these guys killed Jesus. Jesus said, no, no one's taking my life. I am laying my life down. And even in the end, Peter and the guys are like, We're, we'll kill anybody that messes with you. He says, stop it. Listen, I could get out of this, Peter. If I wanted, I could ask my father right now to send 12 legions of angels. But I'm not going to do it. I could get out of this. This is voluntary. I am dying for all these people because I want to. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. And I look at, at what Jesus went through. He could have got out of it. And, 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 and yet he still went through with it. And I look at my life and say, Jesus, I've got to be faithful to you. I, you, you stayed faithful to me in that hour of your biggest need. You still chose to go through with this. How could I make a promise to you and not keep it, Jesus? How could I, how could I ever tell you that I would do something and not mean it, Jesus? How could I say something with my mouth, but then back out with my actions? Jesus, help me to never do that to you again. You've been faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you, whatever I tell you. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about number two here. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. And imagine this. 
God sent reinforcements from heaven to strengthen Jesus in his hour of need. And now we've got the victorious Jesus seated in heaven to strengthen you in your hour of need. That's good news today. That's a promise from God's word. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Are we getting anything today? Are we, are we, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. And there's a bunch of beautiful promises from God in the book of Isaiah. And you just need to go through there, man, and, and dig these out. You know, it's nice when, when someone just comes up and, and hands you some gold. That'd be cool, right? But it's super cool if you dug for it and you found some yourself. There's a lot of great. And so, listen, I'm going to dish you out a bunch of gold nuggets today on these promises. Do yourself a favor. Open up God's word and dig some out for yourself. And when you get these, man, oh, my gosh, it, the promises that you found from your father to you, you found them yourself. It's a beautiful thing to be able to stand on. Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Sometimes we need some new strength. Well, God knows those who trust in him, according to Nahum 1.7. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been in that spot where, Lord, I don't think I can do this. Well, listen, I don't have to do this. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Their strength will be renewed. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, that sounds, that, that's kind of neat. Listen. That's not kind of neat. That's a promise from God's word. A promise is only as good as the word of the one making it. And I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably say it again several more times. God's word is good. He's got the goods to back it up. He's got the power and every bit of truth in him to back up what he says. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Man, that's a promise that I'm going to wrap around me. I'm not just trying to hang on, brother. I'm wrapping that around me, man. It's hanging on to me. And I'm making it through this. Amen? And so what are some ways that God strengthens us? Let me tell you this. Number one, his word. God is going to strengthen you through his word. There is never, ever been a time that I've read God's word and then I've been weaker afterwards. Never. Never a time that I've read it and like, my oh, man, I just made, I made me feel weak. No. His word strengthens me. What's the other way? He strengthens me through his spirit. Through, I mean, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a spirit-filled Christian, man. Listen, God strengthens me through his, he speaks things to my heart. He encourages me right here in my heart. God strengthens me through his word, through his spirit. He strengthens me through other believers. I need to hear a better amen than that this morning. That's, listen, strengthen me right now, somebody. Come on, you're, listen. He strengthens me 
through other believers because this journey that I'm on was never meant to be a solo journey. I was meant to be surrounded by other members of the family of faith. I was meant to have brothers and sisters that could encourage me, that I could encourage. I was meant to live life with other believers. Come on, somebody, listen. What are ways that we can be strengthened? You've got to be around the family of God. They'll strengthen you. They'll strengthen you. And so as I'm talking about that, you know, I this is kind of an exciting thing that I get to talk about just for three seconds here is that one thing that this is so real to me. This is so powerful. The power of being surrounded and doing life with other Christians on a regular basis. We're starting in March. Real legit lift groups, small groups that are going to be meeting in different people's homes throughout the church. And it's going to be an incredible gift to you. Well, why are you doing that? Man, I'm trying to strengthen you because I am done seeing weak Christians that are out there dying on their own. We're trying to surround you and give you every opportunity to connect to the family of God. And so stay tuned because in the coming weeks, man, there's going to be groups popping up all over the church and different people's homes where you can just say it's Monday night, man. You can go to Mike and Betty's house, man. You can go over there, get encouraged, talk with some fellow Christians, and it's a beautiful thing. And you'll study the word of God, and and it's happening. But our whole aim and desire is for Christians to grow because it is not right to see somebody that's that that's been a Christian for 20 years and and their maturity level is is at that of a two-year-old. We've got to start seeing people grow and be discipled and form those relationships with other believers. That's what you were meant to do. So I'm talking about what are ways that God will strengthen us. He'll do it through his word, no doubt. He'll do it through his spirit, no doubt. He will do it through other believers, no doubt. And we're going to make this as easy as possible to get you access to other believers on a very regular basis. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good idea, man? Come on, let's give the Lord some praise together today. Let's look at Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And this is a dynamite chapter. I'm just going to read this whole chapter right now. Psalm 121. We need to know where our help comes from. Psalm 121. Because God is faithful. Who knows that much? The Lord is faithful. That's not just something we say. Well, the Lord's faithful, brother. I'm not, when I say that, I'm not just saying that to blow smoke. I'm talking about the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No. I love the mountains. Hey, if I need a minute, I go to the mountains and I get away from people. I did that yesterday, man. Loaded up the kids, go up to the mountains, walk off into the woods. I got to do that sometimes. But listen, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, it doesn't. My help comes from the Lord who made those mountains, who made the heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Israel, that is us as New Testament Christians, he never slumbers or sleeps. Isn't that kind of good news to you that God's not ever taking a nap? There's never going to be a point in time when the devil throws trouble your way, but it's God's day off. 
was God's nap time. You know, God, oh, God said his alarm didn't wake up to his alarm today, so he's not up yet. The one who watches over you never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Somebody in Barstow say amen to shade. Come on. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. Oh, that's good. He says, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. The Lord goes before me, and he comes up behind me. Anywhere I go, oh, God's already been there to clear out the way. If there, well, there's trouble on the road ahead. God's in front of me, smoothing out the path. While there's trouble coming up from behind you, God's right there too. He goes before me. He follows me. The one who watches over me never sleeps, never slumbers. He has got my back. Isn't it good to know somebody's got your back for once? You're not, you're, you're not flying solo. You're not in this alone. There's somebody that's got your back. And if you'll hook up with the body of Christ, you'll have a whole hundreds of other people that got your back. But listen, Jesus has your back. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. And the third thing we're saying today is this. He will guard you from the evil one. Who knows legit that there is an evil one? I'm not here to give him credit. I'm not here to give him glory. But I will acknowledge his existence. There is an evil one, the devil. And, uh, you know, in, in youth group, we've been studying this end time stuff. And, and we've got uh, some of them are like right now like, well, it's been deep. It's been deep. We've been studying. But, man, I can just tell you this right now. I've read all the way to the end of this book right here. And in the end, we win and the evil one loses. He gets locked up and thrown away and he's gone forevermore. And that's really good news. Until that day, he exists, though, and he's on this earth, right? In fact, uh, for the, the, the Bible goes as far to say that he is currently the God of this world because he's out controlling lots and lots of people. But the good news is God will guard us from the evil one. I want you to look at Isaiah 43 and verse 2. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. And if you don't remember any other verse I give you today, get Isaiah 43 verse 2 and wrap yourself in this promise. This is gold right here. You need to get this verse. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. Amen. Are we still doing good out there today? The promises of God. Promises. Promises. I love them. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. It tells me when you go through deep waters, you're on your own, boss. No. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Again, I could stop right there and call it a day and I'm good. But no, it goes on. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now notice God didn't ever say that rivers of difficulty won't come our way. They will come our way. There is a day of trouble, right? Nahum 1.7 said, the Lord is good as stronghold in the day of trouble. So there is a day of trouble that comes to us sometimes. There is rivers of difficulty that try to come to us. But I've got these promises that I'm not going to drown. I'm going to be all right. 
The Lord is good. There's a day of trouble, but he is the stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust him. Well, sometimes I feel weak. Sometimes you might feel weak. But those who trust in the Lord will have new strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will walk and not faint. Amen. God's got us. He didn't say there would never be trouble, but he promised us time and time and time again that he will always get us through that trouble. It will never be more than what we're able to handle. God's got us. And he is the one who guarantees our victory. The promise is from him. I know sometimes people, well, there's all these promises, but I've still had bad days sometimes. Yeah, man, we've all had bad days sometimes still. Listen, you're a human being that lives on planet Earth. Sometimes bad days happen, but I refuse to let that bad day be the one to make me drown. For that bad day to be the fire that finally consumes me, it's not going to happen because I've got These promises from God's word. He's with me. He's not going to let me drown. He's not going to let those flames burn me up. They will not consume me because God is on my side. If you think that's good news today, somebody say amen right now. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. And so I want to look at one last verse here. This isn't on your outline because this just popped to me a few minutes ago. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Verses 31 through 32, because Jesus told something extremely profound to Peter right here. Luke 22, and this is Jesus, we know because we just read Luke 22, verse 43, that Jesus was getting ready to face his difficult hour. But there's just something about a man of God that even if he's got his own difficult hour going on, he's still there for everybody else. He's still there to help get you through yours. And Jesus was getting ready to face death and take upon him the sins of all mankind. What a, what a moment in history. But here we are. Jesus is still looking out for these guys. Luke 22. And I'm going to look at verses 31 and 32. And Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon. That's, that's Peter's. Original name. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus tells Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And I'm not even, I'm not even gonna, it doesn't even take a word from heaven for me to tell you right now. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You, 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 and you. All of us. He desires. What does that mean? Well, the sifting process involves being violently shaken so you can separate from that which is useful. I used to, I worked at a restaurant. We had to sift this flour all the time to separate stuff. And, and so Jesus told Peter, and I'm telling you today, Satan has desired to violently shake and rattle your life so much so he can separate you from that which is useful. I'm convinced that Satan's ultimate goal isn't to just kill the Christian. And I've said this a thousand times and I'm going to say it again right now. 
I'm convinced, because what, what does he gain from just simply cutting me off? I go straight to heaven, and heaven is no defeat, friends. It is the ultimate reward. You can't scare me or threaten me with death. It's like, threaten me with a good time? Come on, man. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to heaven. I believe his ultimate goal is to sift you so much that he separates you from God that he gets you to let go and walk away. And then we have it. He'd be glad to knock you off then. He'd be glad to be able to have one more, to be able to say to the rest of the world, there's one more that I took away from God. There's one more. I won that one. This is my, he wants to shake you up. But what is it that Jesus said? He said, oh, Peter, it's coming. I'm telling you right now. He has asked, he has desired to shake you up so much. To separate you, but Peter, I am praying right now that your faith will not fail. But God is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. I guarantee you the evil one wants to shake you up. He wants to come at you from so many directions you don't even know what's going on to the point where it's a tornado and you just let go. Don't do it. Wrap yourself up in those promises of God. Tie them around you. Hide his word in your heart so you may not sin against him. Get the promises so much around you that when a time of sifting and shaking comes, it's not going to work. Because here's a word from God for you if you'll do this. The devil can try his best, but his best is never enough. Give me your... Give me your best shot. It's never enough. Why? Because you're messing with somebody that knows the promises. You're messing with somebody that I don't just talk about it. I live this. This is my life. And I, I'm saying this for you guys, too. We aren't people who just talk about God and, and yeah, I'm, me and God. Is, uh, you know. Listen, no. This is our very I have staked everything in my life upon this one truth. That God is real and his word is true. If either of those things are false, my entire life crumbles. I've got nothing. I've got no secure. I've got, I lose everything because everything I do is based on that truth right there. God is real. His word is true. And it's never failed me yet. There's never, not, not one time. It's brought me through cancer. It's brought me through all these things and it's never failed me and it never ever will. Why? Because all of God's promises, they're yes and amen. He's got the power to back it up. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. I trust in him. I will never let go of him. And because of that fact, I am guaranteed victory in my life. Because as Paul put it, Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He always causes us to triumph. You sure you want to say that? I'm positive that I want to say that. And I'm going to say it right now. I always triumph in Christ Jesus. Every single time. There's never a time that I lose. There's never a time that I don't win. Every time, every time I win, every single time I do something, if I do it in Christ Jesus. That's my word to you today. 
God made a lot of promises. Don't just sit there and say, yeah, the promises of God, yeah, promise. No. You need to get it like this. God made me a promise. He's going to keep it. Well, well, don't you see this coming? I, I, I know that happened. Yeah. Yes, they said that. Yes, they did this. Yes, my boss did this. Yes, she said this. He did that. I, I, I know that happened. But God made me a promise. He'd never leave me. He'd never forsake me. He'd be with me always. That I would maybe face a river of difficulty, but I'm not going to drown. It's okay. I'm all right. I've got the promises of God. And so I'm encouraging you today, man. If you have had the evil one try to come against you, if you have had the opportunity to lose strength, if you have had the opportunity to not be faithful to God, man, Second Thessalonians 3, 3, get that all day long in your heart. But God is faithful. He will strengthen me. He will guard me from the evil one. And I'm going to win. And I'm going to win big in this situation. Can somebody give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.